Welcome to the State of Energy. I'm Randy Witt, along with Agent 001075. His name is Tom Clark, Executive Director with Rocky Mountain Propane Association. Hello, sir. <laughs> Double O ten seventy five. Yeah, the, the double O ten seventy five thing gets you car, uh, crossed up. If you've, yeah, you know, you've, you've you've seen my tattoo. Yes, yes, I got one when we were in Reno. We still haven't showed you yet, but yeah, I got one. It's on my ankle. <laughs> Jeez. Tell everyone what ten seventy five means, if you would, Tom. Well, ten seventy five is is the UN uh, identification number for for propane. So it's the it's the number you see it on the trucks. You see it on shipping papers. That's the that's the the uh, the official shipping name number for for propane. It's also on Tom's arm. It is, yeah. So we have that too. You know, we're educating people in leaps and bounds here. And folks, if you want to learn more about the state of energy and how propane can improve your life, go to thestateofenergy.com. Once again, thestateofenergy.com. And we're here to talk about the, the many different ways that propane can improve your life, improve the climate, uh, and improve so much. And we're not saying it's the only way. Um, we're just saying that it's here now. It's abundant. It's affordable. It's good for the, you know, like as we said, it's good for the environment. And we're not against uh, electric or wind or solar or hydro. We're just trying to let everyone know that propane is a viable option that's here now that we can use as a you know a piece of an overall strategy uh except you know going away from the religion known as electrify everything yeah that's right i mean we we know that we need a, a big basket of of different type of energy to fulfill all the needs of of the u.s and the 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 problem that that i have is just listening to all the media and the news um, pl just plug in electric, electric, this electric, that electric, this, and, and we don't really get to the bottom of the emissions cycle of electrifying everything. And, and propane plays an important role into fueling America. Um, uh, and we don't get to hear about it very much. I mean, we're the only, we're the only thing on the radio talking about propane right now you can get on, you can get on the, the internet and just, and just be overwhelmed with information about electricity and and there's just a lot of false stuff out there about where it comes from and how dirty it really is and this show is just uh, to make it fun and uh, talk about what propane can do for you and cleaning up your carbon footprint at your house your farm your business because it is energy for everyone it's also a great uh, career move uh, folks, if you uh, want to look at changing the career that you're in and move over to something that's going to grow by, what are they saying, $50 billion over the next five years, uh, findapropanejob.com is a great place to start. There's a lot of opportunities for jobs uh, in the propane field. Uh, anything from a, a simple, uh, just as, as a driver uh, to a service tech, something that's got a little bit more skills involved. There's uh, lots of different job opportunities out there um, for, for everybody, management, middle management, uh, even if you wanted to own your own business, propane's a great way to be an entrepreneur as well. So it's really open for anybody that's looking for a career change. And we'd also like to say hello to Andy and his team at Rocky Mountain Propane, serving South Central Montana. Very cool gentleman and his team, uh, new to the uh, State of Energy family. Yeah, new sponsor out there uh, up in Montana. So thanks thanks for supporting our show and uh, getting us on the uh, the radio up there. And uh, now, 
lot of talk going on right now about the Build Back Better plan. And ladies and gentlemen, Tom has a lot to say about this Build Back Better plan. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of information, a lot of stuff that needs to be unpacked. Uh, what are your thoughts, Tom? Uh, one of them that's uh, at the top here is that uh, $12,500 tax incentive to buy American EVs. But you got to read the fine print. Well, we just got the, uh, the the Infrastructure and Jobs Act passed, and and that threw uh, what seven and a half billion dollars towards electric charging stations across the country. It threw a bunch of money at uh, electric buses, and then they come out with this other uh, plan, the Build Back Better, and it's just loaded with all sorts of electrify everything. Uh, monies and uh, of course it's it still hasn't passed the the senate yet but uh they're proposing twelve thousand five hundred dollars for anybody that wants to buy a american-made electric car and it's kind of funny american-made electric car we've been you we've heard all sorts of news about where batteries come from so i'm curious like how much of this actually is really made in America. And then if you read the fine print, it really just says it has to be assembled in the U.S. It's not really made in the U.S. There was a little uh, a little five hundred dollar bonus, though, if you were able to find a U.S. made battery. But where do you find the, <laughs> where do you find those at? You know, and, and I fo- I'm thinking that uh, the folks there's a lot of folks cringing out there that may have read this BBC News article about Tesla drivers being left unable to start their cars after an outage. Um, it struck the car makers app and dozens of owners posted on social media about seeing an error message on the mobile app that was preventing them from connecting to their vehicles. And Elon Musk personally responded to one complaint from a driver in South Korea saying, checking. That was all he was saying. <laughs> and then uh, Musk later said the app was coming back online uh, because the app is used for drivers to unlock and start their cars. Man. And there were tons of, you know, a bunch of people were locked out. Yeah, that's that's some of the problems with this these new vehicles. It's all really it's really just uh, you're just looking for the new technology, and you could have that in a gas powered, a propane powered vehicle. But Elon's taken it a step further and really made it made these vehicles, you know, basically app based. Right, you can do everything from your phone with a with a Tesla. It's funny though you mentioned Elon because and on that on that previous story we were talking about this build back better. Part of this incentive for these electric vehicles is it's not going to go to a Tesla. Do you know why? Why? Because Tesla's already reached their 200,000 vehicle uh, tax credits that they've already got. So, so this incentive is only going to go for new manufacturers of electric vehicles up to that 200,000 vehicle limit. And then there's even more in there that says if it is built by a auto manufacturer that uses the United Auto Workers uh, Union. Yes, UAW. And, and <laughs> Elon Elon made a, a tweet the other day that said uh, Biden is a UAW puppet because <laughs> he's basically cutting out Tesla from this incentive. And and if you're going to get this tax credit, a couple things about this is the 200,000 car limit and has to be manufactured by a uh, 
a union-made electric vehicle ma- manufacturer. And isn't Ford like, out of electric vehicles for their planning for like for two and a half years? Oh my gosh! Could you did you see that? Like Ford's already say they're like they're sold out. <laughs> they're sold out of this vehicle probably because they can't find any batteries. Well, and then uh, let's not forget about uh, this one out of Google News: how GM is removing optional heated seats from several 2022 models. Because of the semiconductor chip shortage, just just goes back to you know all this stuff is made overseas. There's a there's a a big shortage or a big lineup of ships waiting to get unloaded at all these ports everywhere. It's, and and chips are are one of those things that are not made in the U.S. So they're semiconductors, chips, whatever you want to call them. We all know about the shortage, but that's just that goes back to what I was saying. Like these vehicles aren't made in the U.S. They're assembled in the U.S. Yep. Semantics is a fun game. Folks, you're listening to The State of Energy. That is Tom Clark, Executive Director with Rocky Mountain Propane Association. My name is Randy Witt. And Tom, let's bring in our guest. Uh, you know, I'm, I've definitely got uh, LinkedIn envy after uh, learning about Doug Dagon, who is our guest uh, this week. Doug, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to be here. And, and thank you, Rand and Tom, for, for having me on the show today. I've been a longtime listener, really love the show, and it's, it's good to be here. Well, I don't even care if you're lying. Thank you. That means a lot to us. <laughs> and Doug is the Vice President of Strategic Initiatives and Renewable Energy for Suburban Propane Partners, LP. Uh, you've been there for nine months uh, doing great work. But Tom, how would you like to be able to list the United Nations on your LinkedIn? Man, I, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed because Doug is so much more qualified than we are to even be talking on this show. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor to have you on the show. It really is. And, and, uh, I don't even, I don't even want to post anything on LinkedIn anymore because, uh, you know, Doug, Doug is so overqualified for what he's doing. This is, uh. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. You're both very kind. I've been fortunate in life to get the opportunity to do some interesting things. And uh, being here at Suburban Propane is just the latest in the long line of interesting things. So uh, I'm excited about the opportunity to help us uh, oversee the transition of the propane industry into a renewable energy future. Um, it's been a long time coming, and it's going to take a lot of hard work on the part of a lot of industry players, and we're glad to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, literally, literally, like every posting on LinkedIn for Doug is like a career pinnacle for anyone else. <laughs> it's, it is, and he's, I was so excited when when you agreed to being on the show because we talk all this stuff about electrifying everything and the true emission cycles of of electricity and and batteries and vehicles but we we hardly find some some really good information on the internet about or or anywhere about what are the true emission cycles or carbon uh footprints or carbon intensities of all these different energies and you've kind of got this down to this carbon intensity score and you know a lot about the carbon intensity scores and and they're they're rated off of this particular product produces this much carbon um, can you and that's why I was excited to have you on this show is there can you just help explain that a little bit like like where propane plays a role in carbon intensity versus electricity and how if, if I'm a consumer and I'm and I'm really interested in in not just buying a cool car but reducing my carbon footprint what what do I what should I look at how can I learn more about this yeah so 
carbon intensity um, to not get too much into the weeds on it, but it's just a number, um, and it's a number that um, is set by inputting all of the the different things. So the fuel type, whether it's propane or uh, diesel or gasoline or electricity, um, grid electricity, um, whatever that fuel type is, you take the the inputs there and you look at how much um, you do a full life cycle analysis of of carbon dioxide equivalents that are produced. So you look at everything. If it's propane, you look at you know where was the propane produced and where was it shipped and how much carbon impact does that that shipping have because there's a footprint there you know and then obviously the consumption of of the propane you know what is the carbon uh, impact of that and if you're it's electricity you're looking at okay so what is the the fuel mix i mean how much natural gas is in it how much coal is in it how much wind how much solar and then what's the what's the carbon footprint of those things so everything from the you know the transportation of the fossil fuel to the um you know components and mechanisms that are in the uh, windmills or the solar panels and you know you were talking about batteries a little while ago and and the carbon footprint of batteries is is huge and so one thing that the carbon intensity doesn't take into account is the um, actual carbon input and life cycle of the electric vehicles, which is something that I think everyone who's out there who's making a decision about, you know, how do I lower my own carbon footprint and how do I become more, um, you know, environmentally beneficial to the planet, you, you got to consider the life cycle analysis of the of the vehicle. Now, a regular vehicle, whether it's propane or gasoline or diesel, also has a, a carbon footprint associated with it, but you don't have the, the rare earth metal mining and the shipping of, of those rare earth metals and battery components from, from all over the world uh, and, and assembly of batteries, which are then very heavy and have to be shipped to the to the United States. So carbon intensity is just a number um, and it represents the uh, relative um, carbon dioxide equivalence of the, of the, the fuel. Uh, so propane, traditional propane that is, you know, abundant produced here in the U.S. and uh, affordable, um, although, you know, prices have been um, ticking upwards, which, um, you know, is... Prices of everything's ticking upwards. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, you know, which is, is being experienced across the board and is not unique to, to propane. Um, but, you know, it is, it, generally speaking, it's a very affordable energy source, um, you know, and, and, and a very abundant and produced here in the U.S. So um, propane's carbon intensity is around it depends on where where you are and where it's coming from, but it's around 80. Um, and to to give you a perspective, natural gas or or take gasoline for vehicles. So for vehicles, propane's traditional propane's around 80. Um, for vehicles, gasoline and diesel are around 100. So already by switching from from gasoline or diesel to propane, you're redu- you're getting a 20 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And that only covers half of the benefit for, for propane because the other benefit is obviously the the air quality benefits that you get. You know, very little NOx, almost no NOx, SOx, very little or no particulate matter. I mean, those clean air quality benefits are huge. Um, and then, and that's, you know, the traditional product that we have. But then if you look at the renewable propane, you know, the, the, the carbon intensity goes down to, you know, around 40. And if you look at product DME, renewable DME, which is a product that um, in conjunction with with our um, 39% stake in, in Oberon fuels out of California, we're bringing to market and the projected CI score for DME could be in the negative numbers. So because we're, we're going to produce it from, um, from waste, dairy waste, which has uh, avoided methane emissions, you actually get a negative carbon intensity. And so if you look at the grid across the country, uh, renewable propane blended with renewable DME would be better than the electric grid everywhere. 
So you would have a lower carbon intensity and a lower carbon footprint by driving a vehicle that's powered by renewable propane blended with renewable DME or renewable propane than in all the states. And in over half the states, just driving a vehicle that's powered by propane would give you a lower carbon intensity than the electric grid. That's because the electricity is made by what, coal and natural gas? Yeah, you mean in the U.S., we were predominantly coal, but coal has obviously decreased significantly over the past few years, um, past decade, really. We're now predominantly natural gas, um, which, you know, has a significant footprint. And then, and, and we're also, you know, a little bit of hydro, a little bit of wind, a little bit of solar, and those things are increasing, but predominantly our, our electricity is produced by fossil fuels and fossil fuels that have a significant, um, you know, carbon footprint. And so the CI score of the electric grid takes that into account. You know what I find interesting about some of that electric grid scoring though, is like in Idaho, they, they claim that it's uh, the super clean hydroelectric. But they don't take into consideration all the coal power that they import from Wyoming. That's interesting. So I'm not familiar with Idaho specifically, but that should be that absolutely would be a problem if you're not. It, considering it is a the, problem. Yeah. Yeah. They're not they're not considering this. The actual source They're They only score it by wh which electricity was made in that particular state. So Idaho and Washington are their numbers are actually skewed even more than than uh, in their favor because that electricity doesn't come from there. Uh huh. So uh, it's it's uh, this is a real problem because a lot of people think that, you know, the electricity is is a zero emissions product and it's not. And, and the what concerns me is we got all this infrastructure of, of all these trillions of dollars that we're going to be dumping into electrifying vehicles. But when they come to find out that the electric electrifying of the vehicles really isn't that big of a, a savings on on our carbon footprint here they're going to go after home heating and cooking next yeah and i think i mean i think the strength of the ci score is if you use it then you see you know hey and it doesn't make sense for me to get an electric vehicle it makes sense for me to get a propane powered vehicle by traditional propane and as more renewable propane comes on the grid i can just swap out renewable propane for the traditional propane and get another saving. So without getting a new vehicle, I can, you know, further dramatically cut my my carbon footprint down the line um, and home heating the same way. I mean, I, I really think that it's it's not it's not for policymakers or regulators to to pick and win, pick winners and losers. I mean, it really should be a technology neutral approach. And that technology, the the CI score, the application of of a CI score to home energy consumption is the same way. Because you know, people who electrify their homes and you know get rid of their their propane stove and get rid of their propane hot water heater and their propane he space heater, their their heating for their home and switch to electric. If they're in a state that you know, predominantly coal and natural gas, they just actually increase the amount of, uh, you know, fossil fuels that are being used and the amount of carbon dioxide that's being produced without, um, I, I'm sure they had the best intentions, but if you, if you can understand the CI score, if we can apply that across the board, we can say to them, you know, hey, homeowner, here's the CI score of, of your electric mix. It's 200. Here's the CI score of traditional propane. It's 80. So, you know, keep using your traditional propane. Or here's the CI score of, of switching from your, your current fuel mix, electric, to propane or, or, or from um, oil or, or whatever they might use to a, a cleaner product. And down the line, we'll be bringing more renewable propane and renewable propane and propane blended with, with our DME. So why isn't the CI scores being used more 
often like, I don't you don't ever hear about this in the in the media or you don't hear about it very often at all. If I may if might like add, just add this my take on it. We'll see if I'm right, Doug, because it might upset the EV apple cart of money. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, that might be there might be something to that. I think um, CI scores are a little wonky. I mean, it's a little uh, in the weeds, and there's only um, two states that have a program in implementation where they're actually using CI scores to um, generate credits and to 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 lower the the carbon intensity of their uh, transportation fleet. Those are California and. Um, Oregon and Washington has a, a rulemaking underway right now um, that they're doing to to implement a program in Washington. But all three of those programs are limited to the transportation sector. So I think as there are a lot of states that are considering this, including on the East Coast, um, New York and um, in the Midwest, in the West, uh, New Mexico and um, um uh, a couple other states in the upper Midwest. And as states adopt this and people become more used to it and become used to understanding, oh, here's the CI score of my vehicle and I'm, I need a new vehicle. So, you know, the CI score of the electric one is 225. The CI score of the renewable DME pro propane one is negative 225. Well, I'm going to go with the propane DME one. Um, so I think as that happens, more people will become aware of how CI score applies and, and we hopefully will be able to apply it to residential because if we do, we stop picking winners and losers and we have a technology neutral approach at driving down emissions across the board. And it lets us use, I mean, the, the, the refrain from the other side it, when you have this conversation as well, the electric grid will eventually be 100% renewable. And I, I'm not going to argue whether that's true or not. It doesn't matter. But, you know, we're here now, today. So when you ask them the follow-up question, so assuming that the electric grid will be 100% renewable someday, what are we talking? You know, 25 years, 35 years, 40 years? Okay, fine. I'm here today with renewable propane, with, pro with traditional propane, and with RDME blended propane, available today, domestically produced, affordable, and ready to go. So let's start an all of the above strategy and start using the things that we have at our disposal today to drive down our carbon intensity and our greenhouse gas emissions today and not wait for 25, 30, 40 years. And Doug, let me ask you this. Okay, so we do electrify everything. Say the uh, you know electric people get their wish, we electrify everything. What happens if and when China or North Korea hits the West Coast with an EMP? You know, I don't. <laughs> that, there's, that's a. I mean, I think if that if that actually happened, we'd have so many bigger problems. But I think that there is an illustration that that is uh, you know informative, and that's what happened in. Um, in uh, New Orleans uh, this past summer when they had that big storm. And so in New Orleans, the grid went down. I mean, basically every transmission line into the city went down and they had no electricity. Now, if all of the emergency vehicles in that city were electric vehicles, if the police and, and first responder vehicles were electric vehicles, after six or seven hours of responding to the emergency, everyone would have been shut down. They wouldn't have been able to respond to anyone. They wouldn't have been able to help anyone. So I think there's a, a, a role for in the resiliency of 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 severe weather events that happen for, um, you know, propane vehicles to play a role in that and also propane generators. I mean, we are going to see, I mean, it's inevitable that we're going to see the continuation of, of, of the electrification of passenger cars. I don't think that it's going to happen nearly as fast as some others, but, you know, it's, you know, market penetration of, of uh, EVs reached about a million um, recently, which put in perspective is less than one half of 1%. I mean, there's almost 300 million cars in the U.S., but it's not a insignificant 
significant number, a million vehicles. So what happens when there's no electricity for those million vehicles because the the grid went down due to a storm or or a severe weather event or God forbid a terrorist attack or something like that? You know, there's a role to be played for deployable um, recharging stations powered by clean propane and renewable propane and DME blended propane that can generate electricity and you can plug your car in and plug your cell phone in and your your laptop or your tablet and get powered up because that's that's needed and and what happened in in uh, New Orleans really illustrates that they didn't have any backup you know lines into the city propane is energy security for everyone amen Doug Degon vice president of strategic initiatives and renewable energy for suburban propane partners how can people get a hold of you and all of your great knowledge sure so you can you can find me on LinkedIn as you guys said I, I uh, I've tried um, to become better at LinkedIn and it's glad to know that it's it's working so uh, you can find me on LinkedIn you can also email me directly D Degan D-D-A-G-A-N at suburbanpropane.com um, or you can give me a call um, here at the office I'm happy to talk with people um, or communicate with anyone that has any questions. Doug, thank you very much for joining us and sharing your wealth of knowledge. And we hope to have you on again real soon. You're, you're a great guest. I'd love to be. Thanks for having me on. It's a, a great show and I look forward to many more. Thanks, Doug. It's Tom Clark, Executive Director with Rocky Mountain Propane Association. My name is Rand DeWitt and we are always online at thestateofenergy.com.